Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Welcome to Summer Jam at TC. Kenny Loggins, a white, a black man in a white man's body, right? But, uh, those were our, our years when the music was real. But uh, Hey, welcome today. Thank you for being with us. Uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, I'm Dan Livingston. I happen to be the founding pastor here, and I get to claim I'm half responsible for your pastor, all right? Uh, his mom's the other half, okay? But uh, I, I agree with Pastor Justin when he said, let's give honor where honor is due, and can we just thank God for Pastor Brad and Ashley and Pastor Justin and John and Kyle and this team that just, and then our dream team, all of you, Man, God is just doing amazing, amazing things here at TC, and we're very excited. Uh, and the greatest thing is, is to just be able to come and worship God, but then, as Pastor Brad said, to watch so many lives, not just come to church, but literally be transformed by the power of the gospel. How many is one of those this morning that can say, God is changing my life in Jesus' name, amen? And before I get into the word today, uh, I asked Pastor Brad uh, if I could do this. If you've noticed on social media, there's a lot of spark and a lot of talk about this thing called the pipeline. And it was really started by Pastor Brad to just really help our leaders become stronger in the word. And then we found out God had really uh, started something here very powerful uh, with the pipeline. And uh, I attended four years of a university and got a degree in ministerial studies. And I just want to go ahead and tell you that the pipeline in two years is 10 times more than I received in four years at a university. I'm just telling you, and it's right here in our grips, and I want to challenge everyone in this church that calls TC your home, go through the pipeline. It is one of the greatest investments you will ever make in your life, and you need to start investing in yourself spiritually as well as everything, every other way in your life. And then I want to challenge business owners. I'm a business owner, and uh, I'm sponsoring two this semester, but I want to challenge you that if you want to invest your money in life-changing events, sponsor some people to go through pipeline that may not have the finances to do it themselves. It's not that much, a little over $900 a year, and that doesn't cover a month in a university. You know what I'm saying? And so it's an opportunity to invest in the lives of people spiritually that will change them forever and allow them now to bear the fruit that God is wanting to bring across our city. So I want to challenge you, attend and sponsor, because pipeline is becoming a major catalyst in who we are as a church, and let's all get behind it, and I really encourage you to attend it because it will be transforming in your life. We've heard some powerful, yeah, that's worth a clap. That was a pipeline attender, I'm sure, all right? But um, we've heard some powerful messages in Summer Jam. Pastor Scott came in, and he kicked this thing off of what I call the challenge, and that was on gritty vision, getting vision and just be like a bulldog, bite, breathe, and hang on at the same time. You know what I'm saying? And don't let it go. And then Pastor Justin, did he shock some of you last week? I mean, this guy, you know, he's an executive pastor, and he come up here and blew it out of the water, and he did what I call the commission. Pastor Scott challenged us with gritty vision, but Pastor Justin, he commissioned us to stand firm. And today I want to bring what I call the condition that will allow you to do both. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 11 through 17, it says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, talking about the Holy Spirit, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, 
We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Say sons of God. And obviously if you're a female daughter of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by where we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified together. Kathy and I, I was preaching many years ago. I was preaching down in South Florida in Fort Lauderdale. And it happened to be the week that the Triple Crown race was being run. And so there were horse owners because of the, dog, the horse track in Hollywood, Florida there. And people from all over the world had come. And, and uh, Kathy and I were at this place where she was shopping. And there was just these outdoor sitting places to eat and drink a Coke or whatever. And I was sitting out by t- at a table by myself. And all of a sudden, this group of men showed up. And they asked if they could sit there, and I said, sure. And they started talking, and I'm just in my own world. And all of a sudden, uh, one of them introduced one of the guys, and they said, he's a major horse owner. One of his horses is running in the Triple Crown. And they said, he just spent millions of dollars. He just bought a, a colt that has not been born yet. Now, I'm a preacher. There's a sermon in this somewhere. And so I'm sitting there, and I just kind of did this, you know, and I said, question I said, how did you pay millions of dollars for a horse that hadn't even been born? You don't know if he can run good yet or not. And without hesitation, he looked at me and shared with me what I want to talk to you about today. He said, Reverend, I didn't buy the horse. I bought his bloodline. He said, I've already done my research, Pastor. He said his great-grandfather was a champion. His grandfather was a champion. His father was a champion. There's no question. I just bought a champion. The history of his lineage tells me that. He said he's not just a purebred. He's a thoroughbred. He said we're not shocked when he wins. It's expected to win because he was born for this. We read some scripture just a moment ago. said the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are, say are, we are the children of God. He says, and if children of God, then we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. Can I say many of you come from a lineage that's got all kind of stuff in it? We're going to talk about that in a few moments that would immediately disqualify you and I. How many would raise a hand on that? There's some junk in the trunk. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's some stuff, and and it deals with us today. But our bloodline does not begin with some dysfunctional relatives. Our bloodline goes all the way back. Remember, we are sons and daughters of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with God and Christ. So our bloodline does not go back to a great-great-great-grandfather. It goes all the way back to God himself. And I just want to encourage you today and tell you that there's some faith because of a man called Moses in your bloodline. There's some sacrifice through a man called Abraham in your bloodline. 
There's some boldness through a man called David in your bloodline. There's some courage through a man called Gideon in your bloodline. There's some strength through a man called Samson in your bloodline. There's prayer because of a man called Daniel in your bloodline. There's determination and persistency through a man called Nehemiah in your bloodline. I want to tell you, there's some devotion because of a woman called Ruth in your bloodline. Come on, somebody. You, you've got to stop disqualifying yourself because of a grandfather or a father or an aunt or an uncle and realize I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm part of a lineage that is strong and powerful. I can have gritty vision. I can stand firm, not because of who I am, but because of who I'm connected through, through a lineage that's called God himself. David said it like this. He said, God, all my days you ordain before one of them came to me. You saw every day of my life, God, before one of them came to me. Can I say to you today, not one thing in your life has caught God by surprise. Everything you've gone through, every pain, every hurdle, every offense, every victory, every win, God knew it before you were ever put in the womb of your mother. Nothing has caught him by surprise, but the fact is every one of them was part of the process to get you to where you are right now. Jesus put it like this. He said, the old is gone and the new is right here. How many is glad the old is gone? And there's a new available for you right here. But I want to talk to you very quickly today and get right into the meat of the message that I call them the deadly trio that the enemy wants to use to stop you, to keep you into a place that, that you don't move into that bloodline, that lineage. And I want to talk to you today about the power of our bloodline, destroying generational curses by a new bloodline that I don't have to live in the old. I get to step into the new and enjoy the person that God ultimately created me to be. But the enemy tried to put some things in my bloodline that would stop me from becoming that thoroughbred and let me live like a mutt for my whole life. But I want to challenge you today that you're not a mutt. You're not a half-breed. You're a child of God that was born and created with purpose and destiny. And the enemy cannot win when you understand I'm connected to something far more powerful than anything the enemy can bring. Here they are. They're in your notes. Read them with me. Number one, too many of us have learned to function in our dysfunction. Rather than embrace our new freedom, we go through life high, drunk, stoned, angry, bitter, sick, offended, miserable. We live a life of a roller coaster of emotions up one day, down the other, in church one month, out two, happy today, sad and depressed tomorrow. We never seek change. We settle for survival. Oh, that'll preach right there. We've learned to function in our dysfunction, so why bother change? Just survive. And survivors never reach the winning circle. They just hang on and live miserable, and God didn't create you to live miserable. He created you to go to a winning circle and celebrate the victories of God in your life. Number two, You'll never change what you tolerate. See, the enemy wants you to tolerate the dysfunction in your family. At some point, you must stop and realize that you've become so accustomed to the darkness and confinement of your cave that you prefer it over the freedom that Christ has made available to you. 
that we become so accustomed to being miserable, so accustomed to being hurt, so accustomed to living by the offense and the abuse and the misuse that we went through, so accustomed to being mistreated by men, so accustomed to being walked out on by women. We're so accustomed to feeling like God's abandoned me. We're so accustomed to the struggle that we learn to tolerate it rather than seek change from it. Abused or molested as a child, low self-esteem, poverty, addictions, anger, unforgiveness, failure. As long as you accept these things as part of who you are and accept the emotional impact they're making on your life, nothing in your life's going to change. Somewhere you've got to get tired of being tired and declare that it's over. It's done. It's a new day. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir to heaven. Everything heaven has is mine. I'm walking out of the old and I'm entering into the new. Stop playing with the destructive habits and addictions that God's already delivered you from. Number three, stop talking about the way you are and start talking about who you're about to become. No horse owner spends millions of dollars on a horse that they think is going to finish second. Uh, That's Facebook worthy right there, all right? Nobody spends millions of dollars on a horse that they think is going to come second. They only spend that on a horse that's going to come first. Well, I got a word for you today. God spent way more than millions of dollars for you. He gave his son. I said he gave his son. He spent far more than what that horse owner did on a horse that hadn't run yet. Before he formed you in the womb of his another, he knew you would be sitting in Transformation Church here today. He knew the plan that he had for your life. You've got to stop talking about where you are and start talking about where you're going and what you're about to become in Christ. You see, a thoroughbred has an attitude. I've been to the horse farms in Kentucky when we lived in Kentucky and we went there where they had the champions that had won the major races over the years and they're still alive and they treat them like kings and queens there on this horse farm. And you would see the horses that were just horses, but man, when you walked around those places where they had those thoroughbreds, those champions, they strutted their stuff, man. I mean, they had attitudes. They knew they were a champion. They knew they deserved royalty. They knew there was something different about their bloodline. And I want to tell you, the world's not looking for broken, disowned, failure. They're not looking for people that have no hope. They're not looking for people that have no self-value or worth. They're looking for some people to walk in on their job on Monday morning with some attitude that I'm a child of God. I've been bought with a price. I'm worth something. I'm valuable. I'm a winner. I'm a champion in Christ Jesus, my Lord. The old's gone. The new's here. Come on, somebody. It's time that we stop living and where the enemy's telling us we're confined and we start celebrating who God says we already are. That brings us to what I call the conflict, and we're going to talk about that today because all of that sounds great, doesn't it? But how many knows there's a battle to get there? There's some struggles to get there. And I want to talk to you about this inner struggle of us coming out of the old and entering the new. How do I, how do I break these generational curses? How do I get out of this alcoholism in my family? How do I get out of this self, uh, no self-esteem and, and unworthy? How do I get out of this feeling that I have from being abused and molested as a child? How, how do I stop dealing with this and become that person you're talking about, Pastor Dan? I'm going to tell you how. Just stay with me. 
We're going to look at a man called David. A man who became a man after God's own heart. He was called the apple of God's eye. He's the giant killer as we know. He eventually became the king of Israel, but it didn't start easy and it was never easy for David. David had to come through some stuff. In Ruth, we see this man called David's lineage. And I want you to go with me on a journey today. We're going to do some teaching, preaching, and educate you on some things. But in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 through 22, in your notes, we see the lineage of David on his father's side, where David is the 10th generation in the lineage of Perez, in which his father Jesse is from. So just stay with me. So David on his father's side is the 10th in the lineage of Perez. On his mother's side, in Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 6, David is the third in the generation of his mother, of Ruth, the Moabite, who's his great-grandmother. So he's 10th in the lineage of his father. He's third in the lineage of his uh, mother, who comes from the lineage of Ruth. And listen, the Moabite. That creates a theological issue right there because the Israelites refused to aid, or the Moabites refused to aid the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt. And because of that, God cursed the the Moabites. And God said, no Moabite shall enter the assembly or the presence of the Lord for 10 generations. Now we have a theological issue because David's the third in the generation of Ruth the Moabite. So David is born with a curse from God himself that David cannot enter the presence of God until the 10th generation, which means David would have to live over 150 more years before he could ever enter into the presence of God. So how does a man cursed from God at his birth become the king of Israel? So we have to come and and look at this. He's cursed. David's born an outcast from the presence of God. So now let's go look at David's house. Here's this man, David. He's born. He's an outcast to the presence of God. Remember the story in David's house? David's first mention when all of a sudden God tells the prophet Samuel, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, and I want you to bring all of his sons before you, and I'm going to anoint one of them as the new king of Israel. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he tells Jesse, I want all of your sons in the room. So he brings seven sons into the room, and the prophet Samuel goes by every one of them, and God says, not, it's not one of them. David was never invited to the room. The prophet had to ask Jesse, do you have another son? Jesse didn't even volunteer David when they said, there, there's, there's, there's not one of these. He never even mentioned David. The prophet had to ask, do you have another son? Well, yeah, it's David, but he's out there with the sheep. So I have to ask the question today, could there be a deeper reason that David was not asked to be there? Was there a reason that Jesse did not invite his son David to join the other brothers? Scripture tells us probably so. Number one, what did David really mean when he said in Psalms 51, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, in the church, we want to bypass that scripture, not deal with the depth of it and the hermeneutics. It really stinks on how we preach that. But the Jewish scholars teach today that they believe by fact that David was conceived by his mother, who, by the way, her name is never even mentioned in the scriptures. 
He was conceived. The Jewish scholars truly believe and teach that David was conceived in an act of sin. Could that be the reason that Jesse would not even identify him as one of his sons? Was Jesse embarrassed and ashamed of his teenage son David? Did he not even consider him his son? Why was David rejected by his own parents when he cried out in Psalms 27.10, My father and my mother God, they have forsaken me. Why did David cry out regarding his own brothers in Psalm 69.8? I'm estranged from my brothers and I'm an alien to my mother's sons. David's rejection by his natural family caused him to have a deep fear of an equal rejection from God. Like many of you sitting in this room right now, you have a hard time receiving God as a father because you never saw and felt the natural father receive you and embrace you. You've been rejected by family. You've been rejected by others. And it's hard to come to a God and believe that he will actually receive you like you are because you felt the natural rejection. And now you're looking for the spiritual rejection. And David identified with that. He had this fear. And we see that when David cried out to God in a place of desperation. He said, Father, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Turn not your face from me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God. Why would David pray a prayer like this? Because that's what he experienced from his family. I expect it to be quiet here at this part, but you're going to be shouting in a minute. Listen to a rejected David. She cries out in a plea of desperation in Psalm 69, 1 through 8. It's in your notes. And I use the King James because I love the way it said it here. Save me, O God, from the waters that have come unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come unto deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for God. Anybody been there? They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, they are mighty. Then restore not what I took away. But listen to this part. Oh God, you know my foolishness. And my sins are not hid from you. Let not those who wait on you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake, O God of Israel. What is David saying? You know what David's saying here? He sees himself so low, so unworthy, so unwanted that he tells God, Father, if my being near you is going to bring shame and reproach to you and cause others not to want to come to you, then just cast me away like everybody else has. Come on, that's a cry of a desperate, desperate heart. Because for thy sake, God, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger unto my own brethren and an alien to my mother's children. What's really taking place here? How and why do we find David in such a negative, destructive place? Jesus said in Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6, when the Israelites began to create false images and they violated the second commandment, God spoke to them and he said, because you have hated me, I will visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generations. 
David is a product of that curse. Like some of you are a product of generational curses that you have tried to quit, you have tried to stop, you have tried to overcome. You do good for a while and find yourself right back into that rut. Come on, am I preaching to the right church or we find ourselves struggling with that same thing over and over and over again. We come to church and we do it all. We do it right. We feel it. We know we're saved, but we're not free. We're not even close to being free. We, we struggle with that same thing. Why? It's in your blood. It's in your lineage. I want to tell you, my father died of a disease, a brain disease called primary progressive aphasia. My brother died from the same disease Went from a 240-pound athlete to a 68-year-old skeleton. And when the doctor diagnosed my brother, he looked at me and said, the disease is in your bloodline. You just don't know it yet. I said, I refuse to accept that in Jesus' name. It'll never touch my bloodline. It'll never touch me. And I didn't say that for me. I said it because it'll never touch my son. It ends right here. It'll not have an effect. And I'm telling you, some of you right now, you've been living under that weight, that curse, that bondage, that mental strain that it can't get better. There's no freedom in this. That's a lie today. And I'm going to share with you in a moment that God's already made a way for you to be free. You just got to start to declaring that I'm free and calling things as though they are, though you don't see them yet. But what's really taking place here? As we study the generations that preceded David because he said that there's a curse to the third and fourth generation. As we study the house of David, we see this. Judah, the great ancestor of Jesse, David's father, went out looking for a prostitute. Unknowing to Judah, he picked up and had an illicit affair with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. And she became pregnant. And through that pregnancy became the lineage of Judah. David is now not only cursed because of Ruth the Moabite's lineage, he's now under a curse because of his father's lineage. He has no chance of survival. Maybe this helps us understand David's roller coaster ride of emotions. This helps explain this brokenness and bitterness. It helps us understand him and his inadequacy and dysfunction as a father and a husband. It brings to light the root cause of his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. It helps us understand the curse that opened the door for fornication, adultery, incest, and murder to fill his house. There was something far deeper than a weak moment with Bathsheba. It was generations of perversion and bondage. Are you hearing me today? David didn't have a weak moment when he looked over on the roof and saw Bathsheba. He was fighting a war inside that had been going on for generations because of an illicit affair with his lineage with a prostitute who happened to be a daughter-in-law who got pregnant through that affair. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It affected David generations later. David was a man doomed for a horrible destruction without a divine deliverer. But then he came. And I want to say this to some of you today. You're fighting an endless battle if you keep trying to fight it on your own. I'm not going to lie to you. When that doctor pointed that to me, there were so many times I'd be driving and things would get dizzy and the enemy would go, there it is. There's that disease. It's got you. Things would happen in my body, and the first thought the enemy would bring, that's that disease, that's a symptom. 
and I'd have to stop and go, you're a lie. God is real. He's already told me that I'm well, I'm whole. It'll never affect my body. Come on, somebody here, you got to come and start, stop listening to the enemy and start declaring the promises and the word of God over your life. But then he came. We find it in Psalms 89. I'm going to close with the promise. I told you you're going to shout. Get ready because it's coming. Once you spoke a vision to your favorite people and you said, I have found David my servant. I have found David my servant. The dysfunctional one. The one with all the issues and all the problems and all the hurt and all the pain, the bitterness. I have found my servant David. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you today, when you didn't even know him, he was looking you up. When you were at your darkest point in life, he was tracking you down. When you didn't even want him because of anger and bitterness, he was reaching out to you in love and compassion. He was searching for you. He was looking for you. He never gave up on you. He was fighting for you when you couldn't fight for yourself. He said, I found my servant, David. You can only find something you're looking for. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My faithful love will be with him. He will call out to me. You are my father. Listen, I will appoint him. This is God talking about the man that's third in the lineage of a curse that he put on himself, the Moabites. He's talking about a man that is 10th in a lineage who's the very beginning of that lineage had an illicit affair with a stepdaughter. He's talking about a man that's filled with dysfunction and brokenness and emptiness. He said, but now here's what God did. I want you to get this today. God said, I can't change my word, but I can add to it. And what God said, he said, I have appointed him my firstborn. I'm taking David out of the lineage of Pharaoh. I'm taking David out of the lineage of Ruth the Moabite. I'm taking him out of that lineage and I'm starting a brand new one with David. He's the firstborn of a brand new lineage. The old is gone. The new is here. And I want to declare to you today that those of you that have come through a lineage of oppression and addiction and abuse and misuse and no self-worth and poverty and no value, I want to say to you today, don't you let that touch you another moment of your life. God says, I'm bringing you out. I'm taking you out. I'm starting a brand new lineage with you today. Listen, stay standing, listen. It didn't stop there. I'm yelling at you, aren't I? Sorry, sorry. I, I don't like preachers that yell at me and I'm yelling at you. But it's a good yell, come on somebody, it's a good yell. He said this, I'm closing. I will appoint him my firstborn. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. Listen to the next words. I will establish his new lineage forever. His throne for as long as the heavens endure. God said, the old lineage is done, David. I need a king. I need a giant killer. 
I need somebody that's got my heart. I need somebody that's gonna be filled with my passion. I got a call for you, David. The enemy tried to mess it up, but I had to get you where you are so I could get you where I wanted you to be. I've got a plan for you, David. You're, you're, a, a, you're a thoroughbred, David. You were born for the winner's circle. You were born to be a champion. And can I say to you today, you were born for the winner's circle. You were born to be a champion today. God's got a plan for you. Listen, you were molested, abused. They said you would never be fit for a mother or a wife, but here you are. Here you are right now. They're a liar. Drugs, alcohol, addiction are found throughout your family lineage. But here you stood today worshiping God free because who the sun sets free is free indeed. Poverty, low self-esteem, insecurity has filled your lineage. But today, God has come to tell you, you're the head, not the tail. You're a victor, not a victim in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift our hands and celebrate. He's alive and he's alive in me. Pastor Justin said it last Sunday, and I'm going to close with this for the third closing. Nothing about your future is behind you. Nothing about your future is behind you. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm pressing forward. I'm reaching for the mark, for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray over this house right now. I pray over every person here today, God. I pray especially for those, Father, that walked in this building today, God, and God, they've dealt as David did, as I have. Father, they dealt, Lord, with the pain, the fear, the struggle. They carried the weight, God, of the sins of the forefathers and their lineage. But God, today I pray that you let your word, that word that brings life, that word that's a two-edged sword that cuts and divides asunder. I pray, God, that you'll let this word today, as simple as it is, God, I pray that you'll let it pierce the hearts of us today, God, and that we'll declare that I'm not a mutt. I'm not something that's of no value. But today I've been bought with a price. I'm an heir to heaven. I'm a son and a daughter of God. I'm part of a lineage that God has started new. The old is gone. The new is here. I'm not going back to the old. I'm celebrating the present and the new in Jesus' name. I'm a new person in Christ. I'm a thoroughbred. I was born for this. I'm a winner, not a loser in Jesus' name. If you're here right now, maybe you're sitting or standing in this room right now and you go, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm still at that beginning phase right now. I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I, I'm not a Christian. I, I'm away from God. And I understand I don't feel worth anything today. I, I feel broken. I feel empty. And I need him in my life today. Will you pray for me, Pastor? I want to encourage you today in this prayer, we're gonna to pray together. I wanna to encourage you to say this prayer, mean it with all of your heart. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at today. He brought you, you're not here by accident today, you're here on a divine appointment because God wanted you to feel his presence in worship and he wanted you to hear a word that he loves you and he's got a brand new start for you. He's got a brand new beginning for you. You don't have to keep living in the old. He's got something brand new for you in Jesus' name. Say this prayer, we're all gonna pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, I come to you, I confess with my mouth 
that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Will you join me and let's celebrate and these that prayed.